Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Good day, and welcome to Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. Lana, it's so good to have you back with me, and I'm excited that you're here as a co-host with me today. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. It's always such a pleasure. Awesome. That's super great. Donna, today I have joining us my good friend, James Rennie, and he also wrote the forward to my book and excited to have him with us. And maybe we could do a joint interview together. Oh, wow. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. Jim or James? You can call me Jim. Yeah, James is fine, but Jim is what people know me by. Okay, great, great, great. So I just have to ask this. How did you get to know our good friend, Elcio? Well, Elsio sort of appeared in my life. You know, he was interested in, in a tennis project at his home, in his home country. And, you know, our company that I was a partner with specialized in sports entertainment and in particular tennis. So he discovered that and thought that maybe he should have a conversation with our company. So I think that was the first time I, I met him. So now, Elsio, just refresh my memory. Now, you were into sports from the time, like, with your family when since you've been small, correct? Yeah, I grew up around tennis, health, and fitness. Started playing around five years old and teaching professionally around 16. And then I've been doing it ever since then as a profession. Wow. So this is really you two together. That's kind of an evolution, it seems like. <laughs> what happened is I started in as a teaching professional and a player, but I think somewhere along that journey, I always had this vision for development of sports and wellness and tennis facilities. It was just, I was more drawn there than let's say becoming a tennis playing professional. I wanted to when I was younger and becoming a tennis director, tennis business owner was more of a draw for me. And that's what led me towards Rosetti and Associates where I met Jim. Right. Right. So now, Jim, I understand your background is architecture. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm a, I've studied uh, the profession and my whole career has been in architecture. Wow. So tell us how you got involved, like in, in the sports facet. Sure. It's interesting because, you know, I, obviously as, as my profession, I'm very passionate about design and in creating a you know, we can call it buildings, but to me, they're more than buildings. They're places where people dwell and, and work and, and, in fact, play. And after working for a few companies in my early career, I landed with a company that happened to have designed an MBA arena, and which really intrigued me. I didn't go to this company because of that, but it was an intriguing part of the business that was kind of a, a developing part of the business. And back then in the late or mid eighties or so, the, the sports business was just starting to really grow um, as a business in the US. And the company uh, continued to do other sports projects. And namely after the NBA arena, uh, we were working on the US Tennis Association's new campus at uh, Flushing in New York. So where they host the US Open tennis tournament. Oh, wow. Quite a significant project for a company, which, you know, is, is 
certainly brings a lot of notoriety nationally, if not internationally, for our company. And we had done uh, two other tennis tournament sites during that time as well. So what really attracted me to sports, while it was somewhat accidental, my awareness was in how what I could participate in would affect or influence the experience of so many people. That was a quite an amazing experience as a young architect to realize that thousands of people would uh, arrive at, experience the spaces that I would be a part of designing. So that really accelerated my interest and desire to, to become an expert in sports and entertainment architecture. That's got to be so such a good feeling. Yeah, and, you know, and I tell you, it's humbling, to be frank, and it's humbling because you realize that while it's important for the uh, developer, whoever is developing that, whether it's a city uh, or municipality or a private owner, it does affect their business. But the flip side is you know, what you do affects how people feel at the places you go. So, you know, the humbling part is, gee, you know, I hope I do, I do a good job. And <laughs> you know, you've got thousands of people and millions of dollars at, at you know, being invested right. in terms of what it is that I'm doing. So... Yeah, but but very exciting stuff. I think that would be very rewarding. Yeah, it I mean, is. When you know you've done your job very well and you see people that come through the doors and they walk away with a smile or satisfaction or some amount of, you know, positive emotion, and that comes from your influence. I just think that yeah. is extremely rewarding. It is. It is indeed. And so it's why I think when I find somebody like Elsio who's really interested in doing something, not just for his business, but I think he has a higher purpose and interest right. in, in helping others and training others and, and creating experiences for others. You know, that's, that's, that's what I look for. And I think that's initially one of the reasons why I was so interested in getting to know Elsio. Right. Right. Now you actually did the foreword for his book. I did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pleasure, and, and I'm grateful that he, he was interested. Can you maybe just elaborate a little bit on that? Because I know you've known him for 10, 15 years. Is that right? I guess over 15, right? Okay. Wow. <laughs> Closer to 20 years, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, quite amazing. Yeah. Very long, that's a long history. <laughs> no, a long history. And as you imagine, a lot has, you know, our, our experience and the fact that we've made friends and it's a testament, I think, to, I think, authentically being interested in each other and the well-being of each other and kind of supporting the passions that, you know, wishing for success for each other. So, and to explain, you know, my forward a little bit, it gave me a chance to reflect, obviously, on our on our relationship and that first day that I met him in our offices. And to me... Well, I'm a bit older than LCO, but I mean, I hate to admit. <laughs> um, but, Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, right. But at the same time, you know, I think I have a youthful spirit. And I think I was, I was taken by his anxiousness and an interest and, and excitement about doing something very special. So what I reflected on was, was that moment, you know, that time that I, that I met him. And then needless to say, reflected on various times that we, you know, came together. We've had numerous conversations over the phone, for sure. But I think one of the most significant periods in our relationship was when he spent time in Michigan. And we were able to see each other on a fairly regular basis because I 
I reside in Michigan in the Detroit area. I actually currently live in Detroit now, but but it allowed us to really kind of get to know each other on a per, you know really on a personal level. Learn about what is it that's behind not just personality, but in reality, the spirit. Right. So we shared a certain depth in understanding what drives the soul. What is it about us and the human condition that you know that connects us to something higher, beyond you know the the sort of physical manifestation that is a human being. So. I was going through a very significant, it's called enlightenment in my own life. I'm a Christian, and it was the first time that I actually accepted Jesus in my life. But I also understood, not in the traditional sense, but I could tell his spiritual nature was was very, very deep and authentic. So I think we explored a lot of that. And of course, as time, as life goes on, and in my age, you, you, you fuck even deeper on that, because... At the end of the day, these are the things that maybe ultimately matter, and then in terms of how you relate to each other. So, what what occurred to me was that at the same time, you know, Elsio was, you know, and this is my my interpretation, Elsio, but the, you know, you were also very fascinated or understood the relationship between the physical body and the spiritual body, and that was both coming from, I think, the physical form and the spiritual being, if you will. So immediately in my mind came what's called a Vitruvian man. It's a, it's a, it's a drawing that I was yeah. I came across <laughs> it, that uh, when Leonardo da Vinci, I've always been a fan of this pretty amazing person in our history, in right. our world history. And you know, as an architect, you know, it's, it's clearly, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an interest and a connection. So to me, it kind of represented that. And I thought, wow, how interesting. And, and realizing that at the same time, one of the architects I, I kind of enjoy following, this guy named Will Alsop, talks about the light. And so all of a sudden, these things, it kind of connected with me, both Vitruvius, you know, calling it the Vitruvius Man by Leonardo da Vinci, was also this, referring to some very basic, basic things about human beings, and then how does that connect with architecture, which is my passion, my really all my career. So... The idea of beauty and delight, it, it just sort of connected with me. And it reminds me of Elcio. It just, and, and, and so to me, I felt like it was important for me to at least describe my personal experience, my personal thoughts about how Elcio connects to me, besides two men, two human beings, two spiritual people, but also, in fact, even what we do in, our, in, the, in the disciplines and the way we think are also connected in some way. So I wanted to sort of establish that and, and just only because to me it was extremely meaningful. It's it's He's been a big part of my life, whether we go through these cycles and over the years, as you can imagine, almost 20 years now, as, as Elcio describes, you kind of go in and out in these cycles of a relationship. And there are periods of time where he and I, you know, didn't talk hardly at all, but eventually we would resurface in each other's lives. And so I've been grateful that we've been able to actually, you know, we had some some challenges, some personal challenges, both of us individually. And I think we were also struggling with how to handle that through friendship as well. So such is life, you know, and I think that's the beauty about it to me. And I wanted to then just kind of be able to describe what that, what that all meant to me and, you know, what he means to me personally. And I think sometimes when it comes to relationships, there is this wonderful gift that we get what we need when we have to have it. 
Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. True friendships, as we all probably experience, is, is it's not about having to, to fulfill some obligation every single day. That's not what it's about. So it's the true friendships and that are meaningful that, you know, we have our seasons, but right. there's always a connection. So I have to ask, because in the very last paragraph, you say, I don't think I would call LCO an eternal optimist. Yeah. Although um, he's very optimistic. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm glad you're letting me give, me give me a chance to explain. It takes somebody that's optimistic to have the drive to continue to choose to continue, right? But to me, an internal optimist is, is somebody, and this is my own thoughts about it, but is somebody who will always sort of expect things to be just fine. And I think, to me, the discernment here to me is that LCO hasn't doubted his own internal drive and spirit. I believe he may, however, have challenged himself with, you know, is what he's doing and how does what he wants to do manifest itself and not knowing what that is. But yet he has a dream. And to me, the dream is what survives. I mean, this is my opinion, my interpretation. Elsie is right there. He can, he can dispute this, but I, I feel like he's not, I'm sure he's had doubts. I'm sure he's kind of wondered, what does this all mean? I don't even, you know, how do I turn next? How do I not let my dream die? And it's more about seeing the dream come to fruition that drives him, not an eternal optimist. He's optimistic. You've got to be optimistic because if you're not, then you, you, can't, you can't go on. Right, right. So it's a subtlety I realize, but I think to me it was an important. This is you know it's an important distinction. I think a lot of times when people are trying to decide or map out exactly how they want to have a legacy, I think yeah. that causes us to evolve internally because we're trying to work it out, and and that gives us sometimes the mindset to figure out how to get out of the box. And to be yeah. able to work on that legacy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it does. And that requires sometimes retreat for a period of time. And no doubt, and I know in my own life, I've had those moments having had personal losses and in relationship losses and things like that. We all have to find our ways to assess and then bringing the legacy part of it is, to me, part of that is, how do I make an impact on right on people's lives or on this world, you know, a positive impact and, right. and being focused on that. So that's a direct parallel with what you're trying to do because you get fulfillment about having the ability to influence the experience of other people in a positive way. And you it know. sounds like that's, you're on a very similar parallel path with LCA. Yeah. I mean, that's true. You know, there's nothing like seeing people, enjoying spaces that I was a part of creating, you know, right. where you're impacting people in a positive way. And so, yeah, naturally, and I'm, I'm, I think as architects, we're so blessed because we have a profession that gets a chance to sort of delight people in a way that your imagination comes to fruition in some physical manifestation. And that's kind of unique. Anybody in the building industry, you know, seeing that is, is, it's kind of a unique reward in, in our profession. It's a nice question you asked there because I think it allowed me to share for a moment what Jim was saying because not only the friendship, but then let's say in the business relations that we do, I 
have always persevered because the vision that I'm trying to achieve is something deeply that's connected to spirit. And like you're saying, a lot of times it's blinding fate because I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know the city. I don't know the location. And Jim can testify to that. At the beginning, I was like, hooked on, okay, we're going to do this in the Caribbean. It's going to work. But then once when I fell apart, I fell apart, but then the vision didn't. I knew I had to developing something. And I think in when I sit with Jim sometimes and we're talking visions, Jim creates the spaces in an architectural space perspective. And he's been a good mentor to help me to be grounded, to understand dimensions and limitations and square footage and, and how things work from, from that perspective. And that allows me to have a vision into his mind and his heart, how he works and how he, he creates these things. And for me, it's like I'm driven by a purpose to create a space for people to enjoy. Right now, like we're trying to work on this, this great family club and this great uh, after-school concept where after my teaching years, I've, I've come to understand what parents go through in the difficult day-to-day life of hustling kids from one activity to the other after school. And we're really trying to bring that to life in a space and a location. That brings merges the two things between vision and Jim's ability to bring that to life for me. Jim, I understand that you and LCO are working on this project together. So I'm really curious to find out what the next steps are going to be for you two as far as working on creating a space for kids and families and that type of thing. As anything goes, there's always a plan, developing a plan, and then adjusting your plan based on what hurdles you have to, to get over. So where we are right now, I, you know, and, and of course, Elsie uh, will jump in, but I, maybe I can say that I think we've got a vision pull together. We believe we understand what the priorities ought to be, at least short term, in order to accomplish some steps. And I believe in any in anything that we do that has a grand vision, you've got many steps to 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 accomplish and to get there. You've got to establish some milestones and, and accomplish those milestones. So I think we've got objectives here that we are following through on that kind of give us the foundation for a small part of what uh, LCO has in mind to build from. Once you can accomplish that, then it gives us another platform to to go on to the next next few phases. So, without getting overly specific, I hope that wasn't overly vague either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Also, you do you have anything else you want to add to that? I think a, a nice opportunity to come back to some of the questions Lana was asking you earlier, because what it is, it's the vision is there, and then the ability to work with like Jim on programming and creating the spaces there. But then there's all these other unknown factors that show up in this types of business that once you you have the division, you try to launch it. Now, there's a lot of setbacks that are not always planned for, but evidence is there. And it's how do you work around and stay focused on what we're trying to truly create and not let the setbacks of the moment with the properties or uh, permits or different types of things that might come up slow down the progress or change too much what we're trying to work on. So it's always a trickiness of how much would you sacrifice of the vision to make a space work or when do you realize that it's time to kind of give up on that space and focus on taking the vision to a different location. And those are the ins and outs that people don't always see when they see the finished product at the end. There's vision and then there's the tunnel work that gets into the processes of working. But it's always complicated because you have to always keep changing with the plan as it evolves. Well, it sounds to me like a very exciting project. I hope that 
as time goes by, I would imagine, LCO, that you'll be providing updates to us in podcasts, correct, Mundo? <laughs> I'm hoping that as we shift to do some of the video podcast interviews together with you, that I would be able to periodically update. Like I said, a lot of what we've been doing has been from the holistic life coaching perspective and the transformational life coaching this uh, interview allowed us to touch a little bit beyond that and then touch on the entrepreneurship of what I'm doing. So I'd like to kind of blend that together because doubles back to what Jim was saying. There's so much more than just coaching or being a life partner for someone or a transformational coach, but then there's also the business side and the creative side of me that's always working and at play at the same time. Well, you know, they call that a mastermind group. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I think he fit that. I didn't know there was a term for that, but there you go, LCO. (laughs) So I enjoyed having you with me, Lana, on this co-host opportunity to interview with my friend Jim. And Jim, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks again for the forward. It was really amazing. And it was so great. It was a pleasure. Likewise, Lana. Thanks so much. It was, uh, was again, a privilege. And look forward to hearing more podcasts from you guys. Well, I look forward to seeing how the project progresses. I think it's just a phenomenal undertaking, and I'm excited <laughs> for both of you guys. Great. Great. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly and always be kind and loving to someone.